a new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I must have been, I, th- I think I, I was 12, maybe, maybe 13 years old. And I, along with one of my uh, classmates, uh, someone, in, someone in my year, I, I think her name was Lucy, uh, were invited, specially chosen, to go and see the Queen. The Queen was visiting down the road at the University of Birmingham. Uh, and in my memory, it was because she was going to do what she seemed to often do and open a new building. But a, a bit of research turns out it was to mark the 100th year anniversary of the university. And uh, I've got a photo of the day. I, I don't think I'm one of those wearing a boater hat, uh, but probably in that crowd somewhere is a 13-year-old me. And I've got to confess to you, the day was pretty unremarkable. And I was thoroughly underwhelmed. Maybe that tells you something about a 13-year-old me. Uh, I struggle to remember much of it, but my vague memory is it involved a lot of walking, a lot of standing around, and about four seconds on my tiptoes to see the Queen. But standing here with a few more uh, years under my belt, uh, and three days since the announcement of the Queen's death, unremarkable and underwhelmed are not the words I want to reach for when reflecting on the Queen and her life that she lived. And wherever you, wherever you stand politically, uh, whether you're a royalist or a republican or somewhere in the muddle in between, there's few of us who could deny that the life of the Queen has been remarkable and that she was a remarkable woman. Uh, She has been the uh, longest reigning monarch in British history, the second longest of anywhere uh, in the world. She never went to university and yet was an advisor, as of this week, to 15 different prime ministers. Uh, She could rebuild the engine 
of an Austin K2 ambulance, but also knew which bit of cutlery to use at the poshest of dinner parties. She navigated turning nations who had previously been conquered and exploited into friends. She was one of the most famous faces in the world. Her, her, her face on our money and our coins, on our note, banknotes, on our stamps. And yet, uh, when she stayed at Sandringham, she would often uh, drive herself to church, go in the side door and sit down in a pew like an ordinary person. She did the same job for more than 70 years, never retiring, but yet had her love of the countryside and the horses. And somebody with great resilience, as somebody who was passionate about reconciliation, and yet family life, like for so many of us, didn't always go the way she or we would hope. And so when the announcement was made on Thursday evening that Queen had died, there has been a real genuine sense of sadness, not just because we're supposed to be sad, because there's a, a time of national mourning, and because flags have flown, or will be at one o'clock today at half-mast, and there are books of condolences to sign. There's a sense of sadness, I think, because even if all you saw of the Queen was a fleeting few seconds on your tiptoes, she's been a part of our lives, sharing something of her life with all of us, and serving us as she promised to do. Now, it might be this morning that you've kind of come to church and you share in that sense of sadness. And for others of us, that sense of sadness actually this morning has gone a bit deeper because our own experiences of loss and of grief have been brought into sharp focus again. Or maybe you've just been reminded again how tiring and how unsettling the last few years have been, knowing there's still more to come. It might just be that you're here because the rhythm and routine of normal life has been interrupted and has given us the opportunity to reflect on our own lives and what our lives are about. And it's why I invited Fiona this morning to read that passage from Revelation uh, chapter 21 for us. What does God, by his Holy Spirit, have to say to all of us this morning through the Bible in a time of sadness, in a time of grief, in a time where we maybe feel unsettled or just our lives have been interrupted? But he says, turn to the end of the story. Not because it's going to spoil the story, but because it's going to strengthen us. Strengthen followers of Jesus to live as those who share their lives with others and serve. And so in Revelation 21, um, God invites us to, to lift our eyes to the horizon line of eternity beyond the accession and coronation of a new king. Beyond a horizon line that goes beyond energy price rises. A horizon line that goes beyond getting back into our everyday routines and rhythms. So first of all, we hear God invite, don't we? Verse 1 in Revelation 21. Uh, we hear God inviting us to consider his, his new world. A new heaven. A new earth. The first heaven and the first earth have passed away. The world's remade. Everything, absolutely everything as it should be. We're told that there's no sea, not because there's not going to be any beach holidays, no seaside, no coastline in eternity, but actually there won't be the things that the sea often stands for, danger and chaos and a sense of threat. 
In God's new world, there's going to be no place, there's going to be no need for passwords, for prescriptions or police officers to protect us. There's going to be a world where there's going to be no minute silence, no memorials, no marking the moments of terrorist attacks. Because in the the words of verse 4, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And we're not given much time to kind of consider God's new world before uh, another thing to to look at is is presented to us. God's people made beautiful in verse 2. God's people are the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven uh, to be part of God's new world. And God's people are here not because they've passed an exam or made the grade or, or, or lived remarkable lives. They're there because of their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For his death in their place on the cross. His new life shared with, with all who will come to him. If you like, Here are people just like you. Just like me. Who don't have a perfect record. People like Queen Elizabeth. Remarkable though she was, she, she wasn't perfect. There will have been frustrations in her life. Regrets. Things where she knew she hurt people. Times when she got things wrong. And yet, God's people here, we're told, are made beautiful. Like the moment the doors open and the bride on her wedding day walks down the aisle and everyone turns to look at her. And yet, we're told, it's not God's new world, nor God's uh, God's people made beautiful, that God wants us to pay most attention to. Listen again. At verse 3, then I heard a loud voice from the throne, God's voice, saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's the heartbeat of eternity. Life shared fully with the living God. There's a promise repeated at the the end of the passage in in verse 7. I will be their God. And they will be my children. Life shared with God is what each and every one of us was made by God for. Whether you're royalty or ordinary. Life shared with God is, is what we spoiled by trying to live in God's world, but ignoring him and his ways in a whole range of different ways. And yet life shared with God is what God continually, again and again, and again offers throughout history, you will be my people. I will be your God, he says. This God who opens up his life is a God who serves. Look at how verse 4 begins. Some of the most stunning words, I think, in the whole of the Bible. An ancient and precious promise from Isaiah's day coming true. He will wipe every tear. From their eyes. Just let that sink in. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every tear wiped away. Every reason for every tear wiped away. The one on the throne, seated on the throne, says, I am making everything new. Late afternoon on Thursday, as the news of the Queen's death was just breaking. The TV cameras picked up a rainbow 
over Buckingham Palace. Every rainbow is full of promise from God. All the way back from Genesis chapter 9. A promise where God says, never again will I flood the earth and to destroy the earth. A promise that God is not going to undo his creation. A promise that he will restore, renew, and recreate. That's the true direction of history. Every empire, every nation, every emperor, king, queen, prime minister, president is being steered towards this. And perhaps most unbelievably, you and I are invited to be part of it. To the thirsty, to those who long for this and look to Jesus, it will be given. When God came to us in Jesus, it's like he pulled back the curtain and and invited us to have a little glimpse of what's to come. The sick healed, storms stopped, the hungry fed. And Jesus, God shares his life with us and serves us, giving his life on the cross as a ransom for many. And Jesus, God is making a people to reflect him, who share their lives with others, who serve. A few years after I got my glimpse of the Queen in person, in 2002, and we've already heard it quoted, the Queen shared this in her Christmas speech. I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. In the Queen, we had a monarch who shared something of her life with us and served us. Where did she get the strength to, to live this out? The message of hope in the Christian gospel. Knowing for herself that, the, that in, in Jesus we meet the true and living God who shares his life with us and serves. And so this morning I want to say to God, thank you for a queen who shared something of her life with us and served us. This morning I want to say thank you to God for the queen's faith in Jesus. The God who shares his life fully with us and serves us. And this morning I want to say thank you to God and ask that he would be shaping each one of us, shaping my life, that it is shared with others. And it's a life that serves. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we give you great thanks for the example of how maybe in just simple ways we feel like the Queen shared her life with us, though we didn't know her personally. And a Queen who served us. But thank you for how again and again she chose to point beyond herself to the King she served, to Jesus. And thank you that when we come to Jesus, that we find an invitation, an invitation to to share in your life and to be served by you. Lord, if we've never received that invitation ourselves, would you help us uh, to understand it and to respond? And to those of us that have, would you help us by the power of your Spirit to be those who share our lives with others and choose to serve others? 
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.